Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. this week 10 edition of a good football show we are more than halfway through the season i'm your host patrick darty joined as always this week by mr denny carter we're gonna be taking a spin through the biggest headlines of week 10 including Taysom hill's surprisingly light usage in his return the continued struggles of the chiefs offense and russell wilson's return against the green bay packers we will then take a rest of season look at defense is struggling against the onesie positions in Denny's technical term. That means yes. defense has given up a lot of fantasy points to quarterbacks, tight ends, and some players you could be potentially streaming down the stretch against these teams. But, you know, first, Denny, I don't know if the audience really knows this, but you and I, we're old. Um, we are. We went to college on the GI Bill after the Great War. <laughs> uh, we voted for Adlai Stevenson twice in the 50s over Dwight Eisenhower. I mean, he did a good job winning the war. But we I were did. Hadley all the way. Uh, so, Denny, just establishing that, uh, I just want, what is something that you remember from the pre-internet era that is like an anachronism <laughs> now that, like, the folks just won't remember anymore? It's really funny you're asking this. And for the folks listening, uh, this was not, this is not playing. I said, I want, I want the prompt to be uh, a surprise. And it, and it is. But it works out because just yesterday, I was wearing a T-shirt given to me by my brother-in-law. It has a, an old Blockbuster store on it, and it says, make it a Blockbuster night, okay? A very, very boomer, millennial-type thing to wear. I get it. But my son, who's eight, comes up to me, and he reads it, and he kind of looks at it. He goes, what's that? I said, it's a it's a Blockbuster. He goes, what's a Blockbuster? Oh my I said, gosh. oh, oh wow. Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't know. I said, it's a place where you go rent movies. He goes, what is renting a movie? <laughs> <laughs> okay well we're gonna have to start at the very basics uh you know and i started you know, when a at, man loves a woman <laughs> I, I, I didn't start there you know, I, I started at the the uh for the first movie ever made uh in in, in <laughs> yes. late 1800s 1896 the man the, on the moon or whatever yeah uh, giving uh people heart attacks in the theater uh <laughs> you know and then we went from there so and i said i said you know me and your mom you know i've been with my wife and then girlfriend for 20 years I said, me and your mom used to go to a Blockbuster every Friday or Saturday night and, and, and rent a movie. He goes, did you have to bring it back when you were done? I said, yeah. He said, how much was it? I said, I don't remember. <laughs> Four bucks. It, the, the questions were endless because this is a completely foreign topic to him. Did they fine you four thousand dollars when the movie was two days late? And I told, well, and I told him, I said, <laughs> there, there's the, there was the nightmare scenario where you, the movie would slide under magazines or something in the <laughs> living room, and you would find it three months later, and you would be afraid to tell your parents because it would be eight hundred dollars yes. blockbuster, and <laughs> or scene. like the card got suspended, you know, which was like the worst possible outcome. Mm. Like, mm. Oh, sorry, until you pay this two hundred, because if you like forgot, if you got like charged the full movie price. They charged you some like absurd, yeah. like it cost two hundred dollars a pop to get these from the distributor. So <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what you want me to do, but you didn't get your copy of the Ghost in the Darkness back on time. And uh, right. you know, remember yeah. the uh, Val Kilmer, and Michael Douglas, oh, yeah. where, where like lions are eating people or something. Yeah, why? Yeah, so many, 90s. so many lions. I think that was big in the nineties. Lions. It was people, big. But... Lions eating people was a huge nineties trope. Uh, <laughs> the fear of lions was, was real. <laughs> it was uh, I, I, have, I have to say though that um, my kids don't even understand commercials. 
like they'll see a commercial and they'll be like, "What's happening on the TV right now?" And I'm What's like, "What's a Hyundai a, Sonata?" Dad? It's a it's a commercial because they've never you know they've only streamed content their whole conscious lives. So they see a commercial and they're like, "Oh!" And then my daughter, she's five. She'll see a commercial. And she'll be like, "I want that. I want." <laughs> I went, yeah, and I said, no, that's that's why they they show you the commercial. She goes, I don't care, I, I want that. <laughs> well, yeah, ABC Mouse. If you're listening, your advertising worked on my five year old daughter, and now she got ABC Mouse and likes it and is learning to use her computer. Oh, isn't um, that so, yeah, I guess that yeah, it is really terrible. Well, your blockbuster went all the time with my wife and then girlfriend, but probably my parents like basically every Friday, and you know. For me and my brother, it was like being in heaven, yeah. like going through everything. And my dad was like, please, God, can we go? <laughs> Just like weeping in the corner of the blockbuster while we're like, no, sorry, we have to look through the entire new releases wall. You know, it's one more time. You know, the new releases wall expands yeah. around like two blocks. Right. So you have to have two entire walls full of like Vanilla Sky starring Tom Cruise. <laughs> um, only the Zoomer, only the Boomers remember that one. Man, yeah. But, Vanilla yeah. Sky. Holy cow blockbuster man though yeah the only thing i was i remember it having to um call my parents or my friend's parents usually from a payphone after our soccer game at the park to come get picked up yeah um, yeah using a payphone checking yeah. a payphone for change yeah that was something the, the zoomers really will not know there would be rogue quarters sometimes if you'd hit the button oh. the return button and you a quarter like the lottery you feel like hitting the lottery yeah it was absolutely but we we had a payphone in my school so I used to always have quarters on me and, you know, no cell phone, no nothing. I told my kids that once and, and they, they just looked at me blankly. I, I could have been speaking a different language and no, no comprehension. I didn't even, by the way, with the Blockbuster conversation, I didn't even get into the fact that there was a pre-Blockbuster video store situation there was where several. it was <laughs> these mom and pops stores where, you know, I would like venture into the horror section and intentionally scare myself. And th that was like the biggest thrill of all time back then. And my kids will never understand. They won't. I bet Blockbusters had pay phones, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I bet they, I bet they did. Yeah. Call your dad like, uh, sorry, dad, we, I can only rent three copies of The Ghost in the Darkness, not four. Is that OK? Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll make spending do. my whole paycheck, kid. Yeah, we'll make we'll make do on these three Ghost in the Darkness VHS tapes. But uh, we've relived the '90s enough. Yes. Denny, we begin in Kansas City, where there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. I'm reliving the 1590s with that reference. Uh, the Chiefs are averaging 11 points over their past three games, and Patrick Mahomes is doing his best Daniel Jones impression with two touchdowns and three contests. Denny, did the uh. too high safety look kill the fantasy star? What is going on here? Yeah. I love all these these references that the kids will definitely get. Yes, what is it? Cover two shell coverage, which I tweeted about yesterday because I'm just intrigued by, the, by this concept that one defensive concept and and which is have been around forever, by the way, can completely shut down not only the Kansas City offense but also the Bills offense now. Okay, which is what the Jags did to them in Week Nine. For fantasy purposes, this is a major deal because. This sort of defensive approach is highly replicable. Okay. Like it's, it doesn't take a, um, a certain personnel, a certain kind of player, a certain kind of coach to pull this off. Everyone can do it. The Giants did it, by the way. The Giants, one of the worst defenses in the league, did it to the Chiefs two weeks ago, and the Chiefs barely survived. So something's got to give. Something is going to have to change with how the Chiefs and Bills operate. For now, here's, here's what we know in the Bills offense, this phenomenon benefits Cole Beasley tremendously, okay? He's basically become, as The Athletic described him, the de facto running back for Buffalo right now. Uh, not Singletary, not Moss. It's it's Beasley doing that work. And we saw that with eight, I think, eight out of uh, eight catches on 11 targets against Jacksonville. For for Kansas City, I don't really know who benefits. I mean, besides the pass-catching running backs, that that's about it. Um, it's certainly not Tyree Kill and definitely not Travis Kelsey. Well, yeah, there are no winners for the Chiefs because all it's really done is turn Tyreek Hill into Cole Beasley. Um, he's getting like nine or ten targets every game, but has been under 100 yards five games in a row. He's been under 10 yards per catch five games in a row, Tyreek Hill. Wow. I mean, like truly astonishing. I mean, just absolutely astonishing. And the yards per catch is not always the telling statistic. It's very telling when Tyreek Hill is averaging fewer than 10 yards per catch, though. That that is how much that this has sucked the life force yeah. out of the Chiefs offense. And 
Yeah, I, what is even the? I, do we, we don't know anything about real football. Like, how do you beat a two high safety look, Denny? I mean, well, you got to well, take what the defense get. You got to take the underneath stuff, and they're trying to do that. But like, Tyree Hill's not popping any of these small these these looks for big plays. Neither is Travis Kelsey. His efficiency in yards per catch are way down. There's no third option emerging. Like, what could the Chiefs even do? Right. So I, I've actually looked into real football uh, over the past couple of days to try to figure out what, but, you know. what they're going to do. I didn't like it. I, I usually like just uh, staying in my spreadsheets. But here, here's here's what I've here's what I've read. The Chiefs' best way out of this are checkdowns. Okay. Yeah. And 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 that means checking down perhaps to Daryl Williams, perhaps to Jarek McKinnon, who looked pretty good i think uh last week against against the packers wait a second jared mckinnon like 10 minutes ago this guy was was like a fantasy force everybody wanted okay he was the prince that was promised yeah and um so i i I think more of that you know we could see more of that we could see more in buffalo and i hate to keep toggling between these two teams but you know I, i i i'm sure there are a lot of concerned fantasy managers with players on both offenses in Buffalo, I think that means more Josh Allen running, which, you know, Absolutely. he had a, he had a miserable day against Jacksonville. I get that, like his worst pro game, but he also had 50 rushing yards. That's not nothing, you know, uh, and, and yeah. we can see more of that. I think the Bills are better suited to counteract this right now because, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty solid threat with his legs. You know, Josh Allen's like a Cam Newtonian yeah. type, like nuclear weapon with his legs, like and you're just leaving all this soft space over the middle of the field. They they do really need I feel like some big Josh Allen runs to like put doubt back in the defense's mind. And the Bills are just better suited to counteract to do those. It's a deeper supporting cast. You have some natural busters of this type of coverage in Cole Beasley. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders can do both. He can actually operate down the field, but he's very, very good and comfortable over the middle of the field. Devin Singletary is comfortable in this area. You know, the Chiefs don't have their Devin Singletary and Clyde Edwards Elaire right now where the chiefs just their lack of a third weapon is just, yeah. it is just killing them because teams are too high safetying them. They're having, they have enough defensive resources to throw, you know, to roll coverage over and over again at Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey, even as they're doing this. And there's just not a third player making the defense doubt itself, making things complicated for the defense. I mean, Michael Arvin's getting open occasionally and then he's just dropping it every single time yeah right and right like yeah you, and darrell williams is fine but he's not someone you game plan for um no. and like this i feel like the bills will come out the bills first off haven't gone into the funk nearly as deeply as the chiefs i mean they did in week nine but this hasn't like infected the bills so far the way it is the chiefs and i do think the bills yeah are better suited to come out of this than the chiefs right now i do too i think that with the with kansas city this is a deeply systemic issue it cannot be fixed this year. It can be tweaked, maybe, but it can't be fully fixed. They can't like fully recover from what teams are doing to them. And I think, I, I hope I'm not alone here, but I really think this brings into question Patrick Mahomes' you know, starting status in 12-team formats. You know, yeah, well, for, for a second, I, I legitimately thought you were going to say his status as starter. I was like, Denny. Like, no, 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 like, no. Uh, <laughs> no I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Maybe one more week, but it, it, yeah, I mean, but, but it, really like, uh, so if Taysom Hill gets to start this week, would you start Taysom Hill over Patrick Mahomes? No, I would. I, I would. I, 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 you know, they're playing, they're playing a Raiders defense that is, is not bad. It's not bad, again, and they always have his number, too. Right. But then again, no a defense, like I said a couple minutes ago, no a defense doesn't have to be good in order to deploy this Chiefs killing strategy, right? You know, and, and, and so I think the Raiders can do that. I will say, I think you know, we wondered when me, or excuse me, when Clyde Edwards Elaire went out, like what would his role even be when he comes back? Where I think this has definitely made. Like, this is going to put CEH on the spot because, I mean, he's going to be a buster for this type of defensive look. And you want him to just chew up this acres of space that's open over the middle of the field. And I do – so the Chiefs, it's been – they've been slow to adjust too. But Andy Reid has adjusted many times throughout his career. I do think they will actually figure this out. And I do think CEH, uh, who I was prepared to maybe fully write off when he went down like a month ago at this point, I think he will be very, very, very important upon his return. It could be like not only a bigger part than expected upon his return, but maybe a bigger part of the offense than he's ever been. 
man. They yeah. just really, really need him to get going and to get the defensive wheels, the gears turning in the opposing team's head uh, in the shorter areas of the field. Uh, well, one more thing on Kansas City's offense. Derek Gore, who has 16 touches over the past two weeks, and to me is clearly the the best pure runner out of that backfield. I don't, you know, pass blocking, pass catching, that's probably Daryl Williams. More of him could help solve this issue because if teams, you know, if if teams are playing the big pass play by dropping two guys way, way, way back off the line of scrimmage, the way to do this, according to the film watchers, is to destroy the the, the defense with the run. And so yes. Gore, Gore strikes me as the guy to do that more than Daryl Williams, probably even more than Clyde Edwards Elaire. So I think we could see his usage ramp up a little bit. I don't I don't know what to do with him in fantasy, but it's worth monitoring. Yeah, the people who actually watch football, it's the run is gonna be key. I, I think CEH is gonna be a big, big key. So we'll, we'll just see, folks. Denny is very close to dropping Patrick Mahomes, though. That's 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 very troubling. Yeah. Very, very troubling. Uh, one of the rougher watches of the season, Denny, was Geno Smith in place of Russell Wilson. But Wilson confirmed he will be back for Week 10 with a rather deranged Succession parody on Twitter. I don't know if the folks watch Succession or on the Twitter, but uh, check it out. If was, you that, was that what that's from? Yes. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. See, yeah, he, he, he was trying to be timely. He was trying to be part of the zeitgeist, but is everything with Russell Wilson has came off kind of very, very boomer. Very interesting. But <laughs> he's getting back in the saddle versus a Packers defense, allowing the seventh fewest passing yards and under seven yards per attempt. What are the realistic expectations, Denny, for Russell Wilson in his return? You know, hopefully his fingers a hundred percent. What can we expect from Russell Wilson and by extension, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, right now the Seahawks, uh, implied total is only 23 headed into this game with Green Bay. It's not not great. Not usually what we see with Russell Wilson under center. Although I guess with some more certainty, I mean, I'm guessing that line is made with Russell Wilson in mind. So probably won't see a change too much. Anyway, I don't want to get bogged down with that. I think that, you know, if he was dropped in your league, if you've been saving him on IR, I think you go ahead and and, and play him. You probably don't have a better option in week 10 I, I do think that this Packers Seahawks game has a has a chance, depending on how the Seahawks operate, has a chance to shoot out. And of course, hinging completely on whether Aaron Rodgers plays. Okay. Like for me, Russell Wilson gets a downgrade, significant downgrade if Rodgers doesn't play, because we know how Pete Carroll wants to win. And if they're able to if they're able to dominate defensively and establish a run, they're gonna do that all day against the Packers. I think Rodgers is gonna play. I think some of those you know, those herbs, I think he's eating some things out of his home garden to get better. Uh, he'll be ready to go for week 10. But so Russ, I think Russ immediately returns to the top 10, even though the Seahawks, we you know, are like obsessed with the run. Chris Carson is probably returning for week 10. We don't know his status nearly as well as we know Russell. No. We know for sure Russell Wilson is returning. We don't know Chris Carson yet, but we also know that even if Russell Wilson's limited to 22, 23 attempts, he still quite often produces QB one days on those numbers. I think Rodgers will play. I think the game will shoot out. The question with Russell, I mean, are you, are you playing? I'm assuming you're going to say, are you playing Russell Wilson over Patrick Mahomes this week, Denny? Yeah. Are you playing him over Aaron Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers plays against uh, Seattle's very bad defense? Well, I'm playing Rodgers over everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be superhuman at this point. Yeah, I mean, so so much elderberry. You know, yeah. you, you have to factor that into your projections. You do. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm playing Russell Wilson over uh, Aaron Rodgers, if you're actually wondering listening what, to the what? show. What? Uh, really? All right. Would you play Russell, Dak Prescott against the Falcons? Are you playing Dak Prescott over Russell Wilson? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, and so does this put Tyler Lockett back in the top 20, Denny? I think it puts DK Metcalf, honestly, back in the top five who he was not getting like 10 to 12 targets, even Russell Wilson was playing, but mm -hmm. he was consistently producing like top eight or nine wide receiver one days. And yeah, I think that volume just has to increase. I feel like his volume is going to be greater in the second half of the season. Does this get you interested again in Tyler Lockett, who has essentially fallen off the map with Russell Wilson out of the Seahawks lineup? Well, Lockett had that one nice game with, with, with Gino under center, of course, against a terrible Jacksonville secondary although you wouldn't know it uh how they played last week yeah i mean i i, I think you feel I, on the teams where i have lockett you feel a lot better 
about rolling him out with the quarterback with whom he has an unbelievable connection. You know, they, that the, those downfield moon balls are a thing of beauty when, when you are a manager who drafted Tyler Lockett and you get to roll him out with Wilson. So yeah, I mean, you feel, you feel much better. I think Metcalf gets, gets a bump, but not nearly as big as Lockett. It's true. I mean, DK had kind of been, he's kind of quarterback proof. Not that Tyler Lockett's not, but I mean, even well, the game where he got three targets or whatever, one of them was an 84-yard touchdown against the Saints. And right. that's just what DK Metcalf brings to the table. I do think it really shores up DK Metcalf's floor. Like the ceiling never goes away for DK Metcalf. The floor had gotten mm. concerning with Geno Smith. And I, I'm putting DK back out there as like a top eight, maybe even top five or six. And Tyler Lockett, I'm getting back in the top 20. And yet Russell Wilson, I don't know his exact final resting spot in the rankings, but I was working out this morning. I don't think he'll be any lower than QB eight. And I think you just got to get Russell Wilson back in there. Uh, Denny is an elderly millennial. You have been an unabashed Taysom Hill fan, uh, but he received only three touches in his week nine return against the Falcons as Trevor Simeon attempted 51 passes volume. Jameis Winston could only dream of Has Sean Payton fallen out of love with Taysom Hill or is this just a matter of a player coming off a lengthy absence with a very yeah. concerning head injury? Right. So uh, the athletics, Catherine Terrell wrote about the Saints quarterback situation. She's an excellent for, reporter, by the way. Give her a follow on Twitter. Definitely. She suggested that Sean Payton will probably wait until very late in the week, just like he did last week, to reveal his week 10 starter against Tennessee, which is a great matchup, by the way, uh, for, for any quarterback. She said that there's a chance... Taysom gets the nod, but it's important to note that Peyton said he never considered benching Simeon, even as Simeon struggled mightily in the first half of that Atlanta game. So that sounds like Simeon has probably has the edge on starting over Taysom this week. Very disappointing, by the way. It is. From a fantasy <laughs> uh, standpoint. There, but there's also, I think, something that was overlooked last week is that Taysom uh, didn't, didn't practice at all until Thursday. And I know he didn't have the injury designation. I know he came out of the concussion protocol. He was in the concussion protocol for a month. Okay. So I think that that was a factor in how he was treated going into week nine. I think that there's a very good chance of Taysom Hill getting some starts down the stretch here. Yeah. I mean, even if he's not going to get some starts, it's just his role Sunday was much smaller than his role when Drew Brees was the quarterback. Like, do we really think Trevor Simeon's going to keep Taysom Hill off the field more than Drew Brees did? I mean, just frankly inconceivable. It's just not going to happen. And the Saints are as opaque as it gets with injury information and like game plan information. They're like essentially a black box. You really can't get in there. But like you said, it was definitely overlooked that Taysom did not practice till Thursday, been away for essentially a month. And I think that had to be the reason why he was only on the field for, for or not. He was on the field for more than three plays, but why he only got received three touches. Yeah. And his two, it was a pre-planned thing too. He came in the fourth quarter. He tempted back-to-back passes. He completed both of them for 33 yards. Everyone's like, all right, keep Taysom in the game. And they took him out. And Sean Payton said afterward, no, that was like a pre-planned look, yeah. a pre-planned package, which again, very much speaks to, they just didn't want to – they didn't think he was ready coming after that long absence and that they wanted to get him a taste, basically, but it was going to be strictly limited. And, I mean, we're just projecting, again, you don't, you can't get information out of this team, really, but it would be shocking if Taysom Hill's role did not grow, you know, kind of just immediately in Week 10 against the Titans. Yeah, I, I, I would be surprised. If anybody inside the Saints organization has tips that they'd like to share, you can, you can DM me. My DMs are open. Yeah, my DMs are open as well. So, please, if you're listening, random Saints intern – <laughs> Tell us if we can start Taysom Hill. Uh, we want to know badly. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it is di- I mean, Taysom Hill, man, if he were starting. Yeah. Like this week, the initial rankings, it's like Derek Carr is the QB 13 still. Teddy Bridgewater is the QB 15. Matt Ryan, Taylor Heineke. Like, we want to get Taysom Hill ahead of all of these people. <laughs> and, uh, would you have him inside the top 10? It, I mean, if Taysom Hill was announced as the actual starter, I would probably have him the QB 11 right now, right after Jalen Hurts. I have okay. Patrick Mahomes as the QB nine, which I know some of some of the people don't agree with on the show. Apparently, uh, I mean, um, I get it. It's it's hard with Mahomes. I get it. And Jalen Hurts is the Q. I'd put him right behind Jalen Hurts because I mean, he's, it's a very Jalen Hurts kind of game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd have him between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. So yeah, if we got a starting announcement for Taysom Hill, it's definitely QB one season. Denny, the analytics people, they'll never be the same no. after Adrian Peterson's one yard touchdown <laughs> to put a bow on the Titans, a Sunday night victory over the Rams, God. but he carried the ball only 10 times for 21 yards. Jeremy McNichols was a little better on his 10 touches. Deontay Foreman actually looked the best yes. on his five carries. What were your takeaways from the Titans first week? of life after Derrick Henry. Yeah. My takeaway was this. Why did they sign Adrian Peterson? I don't uh, know. <laughs> when, when they had, when they, they have two fine running backs in Jeremy McNichols and uh, Deontay Foreman, Foreman had uh, five carries for 29 yards. Look excellent. You know, and, and by the way, I know the zoomers won't remember, but Deontay Foreman was tremendous, was a tremendous fantasy producer before his devastating Say, Achilles what injury. What happened to He popped Could- his Achilles. Yeah, he popped his Achilles and and it's it sidetracked his career for what what is it had three years now four years? It's been I mean I believe Harry Truman was president. Um, I, you know I get my dates mixed up in my advanced you know, age, but you know. it sounds like you've been reading a, a, a book from the Truman uh, era. I actually have. <laughs> <laughs> I actually it, have. The, 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 uh, you know it just it just seems it feels like that. American uh, Prometheus: The Life and Times of Robert Oppenheimer. I know it. I know it. There you go. So we're getting back to Deontay Foreman. So Foreman should definitely be be rostered by running back needy managers who are, you know, kind of just waiting for him to maybe emerge as not not the not a not a workhorse, you know, not a three down guy, but the primary ball carrier, early down ball carrier in an extremely run heavy offense. The pass rate over expectation for the Titans was 32nd last week against the Rams. The plan apparently is still to establish the hell out of the run. Well, is that game is so weird too, though, because it's like not an instructive game going forward. You got Matthew Stafford, you know, filming a shot for shot remake of Carson Wentz's week seven or eight or whatever it was when he threw the interception. And in the, we got basically got that on back-to-back plays from Matthew Stafford, which you know, totally changed the game. It made the game basically – for both teams to sort of throw this game in the trash for yeah. the film because there's two truly catastrophic mistakes. I mean, the Titans had like 250 yards of total offense, I think. They like barely moved the ball at all, and they'd won very easily. Uh, against the Saints, you know, a, another tough defense. Like, which running back – so I'm doing the rankings. Like, which running back would you rank the highest of these three for Week 10? Let's see. the Against the Saints at home – Man, I I guess I'd still rank Peterson just because it seems like they want him to be they want him to be the guy. Like it's it's not really a question right now. He he had uh, ten carries, which led the backfield. I know that's not that's not a ton, but it was his first game too. You know, you could imagine that easily turning into thirteen, fifteen carries, maybe even more. 40, if forty five carries for eighty seven <laughs> yeah. yards. Um. <laughs> if they if they have game script on their side, which I think they should here. Uh, there's also the fact that it's it's clear that Adrian Peterson is going to get every opportunity to score touchdowns. And that's just critically important when you're talking about a timeshare backfield where guys are kind of cycling in and out, trying to replace the offensive centerpiece that Derrick Henry was. So yeah, yeah, I guess I would rank Peterson above the others. I still have Peterson ranked the highest basically just for that reason. You know, the Rams are a better team than the saints right now, but I think this is gonna be like a much closer game. I think this is gonna be like, a true like knockdown drag out like slobber knocker basically. <laughs> and like, I think, I think the Titans are gonna have a little trouble moving the ball, which I th- hopefully create more pass catching opportunities for Jeremy McNichols. So I'm already kind of like get, trying to get galaxy brain. Like maybe I should have McNichols mm-hmm. ahead of Peterson, but I have Peterson there just because it's hard to see anyone else getting the call at the goal line right now. Exactly. Really. So, and like when, when projection is tough, when you don't really know when it's three or four running backs, I mean, you just go, the tiebreaker should always be, well, which of these guys might just fall into the end zone. And right now it definitely, definitely seems to be Mr. Adrian Peterson. Danny, we'll be right back. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Get an edge in your fantasy league with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team or who you're eyeing up on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus and do it at a discount. Use the promo code GOOD10 and get 10% off your annual subscription. That is GOOD10 for 10% off NBC Sports Edge Plus. Danny, in the first game after the trade deadline, Javante Williams outtouched he was outtouched, excuse me, by Melvin Gordon, 23 to 17, mm-hmm. but he outgained him 111 to 95. Williams looked really, really explosive against the Cowboys on, on his 17 carries. He had gains of 11, 27, 17, 37, and 10 yards. And very frequently picking up chunk gains, like very frequently going, you know, five yards is like the platonic ideal of a good carry. Like he was blowing by that on more than half his looks. Now he's got coming up. That was against, by the way, a Cowboys defense allowing the eighth fewest running back fantasy points. So doing it's deep. That's partly because teams haven't been able to run against the Cowboys because they've been playing from behind against the Cowboys. But yeah, it was a good game and a good matchup. Is the guard finally changing in the Broncos backfield or no? Uh, I would love to say, oh, yes. I would love to be very uh, declarative and just say, absolutely, it's changing. Let's let's move on. But, you know, you still have on the season, uh, Melvin Gordon has 109 rushing attempts to Javante Williams, 95. Of course, Williams has been way more efficient, 4.9 yards per carry to 4.3 uh, for Gordon. Gordon has four touchdowns to Williams, one. So, you know, there, there's positives and negatives for, for both of these guys and how, how they're being used. I can't say, I mean, would you would you say that that there's been a change in the guard? I think Melvin Gordon's here to stay as long as he's healthy. I think so too, I mean, especially because this is going to remain a run-heavy offense, even though Jerry Judy is back. The passing offense is kind of lacking in identity right now. I mean, Cortland Sutton's done absolutely nothing in the two games since Jerry Judy returned. Tim Patrick actually led in yards against the Cowboys and – you know, the thing with Melvin Gordon is it's annoying. Javante Williams is a really exciting rookie. He's, he's really, he's getting better. He's gaining momentum. Like this was a, a really, really, really good performance. That's got me. He was, I mean, like I said, like almost every carry gaining seven, eight yards. Like that is really, really tough to do. No matter the opponent, but Melvin Gordon has also been good. Like he's been like a perfectly fine early down churner. He never gets enough credit as a pass catcher. You know, he's a, he's a vet near the goal line. You need your vet in those important yeah, carries, yeah. you know. That's the thing. It's not like Melvin Gordon's been bad. You can't say he's been clearly better than Javante Williams. He hasn't. Javante is definitely more explosive. But that is the problem is that he just hasn't been bad, Melvin Gordon. Like you can you can tell. Like So Vic Fangio, like his, his like coaching life is on the line. He's like retreating to what he knows best, defense and running the ball. And so, yeah, I actually really don't think much is going to change despite all the explosive runs from Javante Williams. Yeah, and on, on Javante, we, researcher John says that uh, Javante Williams has the most missed tackles in the NFL. He has 35 more missed tackles than 23 teams in the league. So uh, really, I mean, in, incredibly impressive rookie rookie season. But I think it will take a, a Melvin Gordon injury uh, for Javante to emerge as like a, like a 20... 20 touch per game upside play. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think a ton is going to change, but it, Sunday was an important development for Javante Williams. Like, cause that was a, just one of the better rushing performances kind of by any player all season on the down low. And so that was a really critical, if nothing else, Javante's work is his floor is, is raising. Mm-hmm. So Javante is definitely someone you can be excited about starting the second half of the season. Yeah. I have these like real elaborate, like intros I make for a lot of these questions for the Eagles. All I wrote was the Eagles backfield. <laughs> and uh, I mean, what, what do we do? I mean, Jordan Howard, is this, I mean, is this for real? I mean, I, yeah. 
I think it is. There, there was a uh, an Eagles uh, columnist slash beat writer who said this week that Jordan Howard should become an you know a permanent part. Define of the should. Should as in he's the best runner in the organization. You know, and and we don't like it. No one likes it, but it's but it's it's happening. He has you know three touchdowns in two games. Uh, I think twenty nine carries, or I have to look that. I believe up. he has twenty nine carries over the past two weeks. He had seventeen in week ten. I believe he had twelve. Yeah, or excuse me, okay. in week nine. Yeah. I think he had twelve in week eight. So yeah. Yeah. So so uh, yeah. I mean, I I think that he is the guy, and I think that he's he's going to muddle the backfield permanently for for the rest of the season, even when Miles Sanders comes back from that ankle injury. So if you were hoping that Miles Sanders would come back and win you some games, I, I think that the the hope for that is uh, quickly, quickly vanishing. Yeah. Miles Sanders, you know, there's always less than meets the eye there, not more like never look at Miles Sanders and start making plans basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it's always through the rug is always going to get pulled. The trap door with Jordan Howard is that these are two games that, you know, set up beautifully for the run. You have the Detroit lions who, yeah, I mean, it's like expansion level, basically, at this point. And you have the Chargers, who just basically don't defend the run. They like just don't care about stopping the run. And it's actually kind of becoming a bit of a problem for them. But they just don't care about stopping the run. And so it's about as good a setup as possible in back-to-back weeks for Jordan Howard. But I will say, they're playing the Broncos this week. A pretty good run defense. But, you know, the Broncos, despite what they did to the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think are going to be blowing out the Philadelphia Eagles and they have seemed so Nick Sirianni, he's, he's all in or all out. He, for a while, he only passed. Now he's only running. I think they will remain committed to the run and what will probably be a close game between yeah. the Eagles and Broncos. So uh, get this. All right. Over the past two weeks, and I know that the, the game script has set up beautifully for this kind of approach, but the Eagles have the lowest neutral pass rate by far in the, in the league over those past two weeks so new england is second right now in the in week eight and nine with a 42 percent neutral pass rate philadelphia has the lowest with 20 am i reading this right 29 percent neutral pass rate this can't be it, it feels possible. right i mean he's attempted like 28 passes the past oh my goodness <laughs> that is that's way more extreme than i than i had anticipated seeing so we know what they want to do and if the eagles are ever in the lead Jordan Howard becomes, you know, the franchise player. And it's terrible. I know. I hate it. You hate it. Everybody hates it. I mean, Nick Sirianni is very relatable. Like, if I'm playing a video game, there's no nuance whatsoever. Like, whatever. I'm just going to pass every play. This is dumb. I'm going to try to break records. I'm just going to run every play. This is dumb. I'm just going to try to break records. Nick Sirianni, he can't do balance. He can't. He's just like, he's just an an ordinary Joe, Nick Sirianni. He's just out there doing the best he can. And the best he can do right now is run 50 times a game. And if you don't like it, you can log off. So, <laughs> and I uh, will. I yeah, will. we we already have. <laughs> We've logged off of the Eagles, and they've really logged off of Kenneth Gainwell. By the way, you can drop Kenneth Gainwell. Yes. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night Seven. Predict what will happen between the Chiefs and Raiders on Sunday Night Football for a chance to win up to one hundred thousand dollars. It is free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com/slash/predictor. And starting after Thanksgiving, $1 million will be up for grabs every Sunday night. So that is in your app store or NBCSports.com slash predictor. Denny, you promised the folks quarterback and tight end streaming options for the second half of the season. But just tell us a little bit of what you're looking at. Like, what are you trying to show us? What are you trying to tell Mm -hmm. us? I see a concerning amount of Jets people mentioned in your notes. <laughs> I can't help who teams play, okay? You know, <laughs> but, but this is a, a look-ahead exercise I thought people would find actionable for Week 10 and going forward. So a- after nine weeks of NFL action, we, we have a good amount of data to kind of see uh, teams separate themselves as objectively good-slash-great matchups for uh, quarterbacks and tight ends. Of course, this applies to running backs and wide receivers, but that, that gets a little more complicated because of the nature of the of those positions. So for, for tight end, we'll start with tight end. The Eagles and Colts have certainly emerged as teams that you, you want to target with tight ends week in and week out. We'll start with the Eagles, who have allowed the most tight end receptions this season and a whopping 27% target share 
to tight ends. No other team is really close except for That's, the Ravens. The Ravens are stunningly high. Yeah, the Ravens. The, the Ravens have played like every week. It's like oh, they're playing 1981 Kellen Winslow this week. That doesn't seem <laughs> yeah. fair. They're playing up. 2004 Tony Gonzalez again. Yeah, so they faced a really, really tough slate of tight ends, the Ravens. But the Eagles, it's a different story. Yeah, and so teams are really attacking via the tight end, via the, the middle of the field. You know, so any anybody catching passes in the middle of the field against the Eagles, you're gonna you're gonna want that guy for that week. So that means that Noah Fant, if he's back from the COVID list this week, uh, he gets the Eagles this week. Adam Troutman, who had a really strangely nice high volume game last week. One week after I had written him up as a good play and he did nothing. He did nothing, but he got looks that week, by the way. He's he's back in the mix in the Saints office, Troutman. So Troutman, just irregardless, I guess some people claim isn't a word, irrespective of the matchup, is already climbing the rankings. Um, So it's good to know that he has an actual good matchup coming up. Yeah, and well, Troutman plays Philadelphia in week 11. And then uh, something noteworthy, I think, you know, especially because if Logan Thomas, who's been out with a hamstring injury forever and ever, uh, if he if he comes back and resumes his role as a as an every play tight end in the Washington offense, who's running, you know, the most one of the, you know, top two or three most routes among tight ends. If he returns to that role, he gets Philadelphia in both week set week 15 and week 17. So he could be he could be a major factor, Logan Thomas or Ricky Seals Jones, depending on Thomas's health. They could be major factors against the Eagles uh, in the in the fantasy playoffs. So real quick, with so Logan Thomas, pretty good chance he's coming back this week. Uh, is he immediately supplanting your boy Ricky Seals Jones? Is the dream over? The, the football team for some reason has been they really like tight ends that play every snap, which most teams do not operate this way, but. The football team seems very, very interested in this. Is Logan Thomas for sure just immediately ahead of Ricky Seals Jones again? Unless the plan is to like ease in Thomas and see how his hamstring is doing, I think that he will resume that every down roll where he never blocks and he runs a ton of routes. And even even if he's not great or Taylor Heineke's not great, uh, he can still produce because he still has a decent floor because of that kind of usage. So that's what I would expect. I, that's what I expect too. I have Logan Thomas ranked as such this week. And uh, you're mentioning the tight ends to face the Eagles. And I said, you have a lot of jets. You're saving most of the jets for the Colts. It appears. I mean, are we not streaming Ryan Griffin against the Eagles in week 13? Denny? Yeah, right. Well, it, it, it of course depends on um, Croft's uh, Tyler Croft's injury status. Cut his um, but yeah, but like we've said on the show, Ryan Griffin becomes the primary pass catcher in any every offense he's in so it's true and like yeah he was <laughs> last thursday night i'm like can yeah. we just get this game over with and every time i look at my screen there was ryan griffin doing yeah. something catching yes he caught a touchdown lots of garbage time targets so yeah the the second team i wanted to mention is the colts uh the colts have allowed the second most tight end receptions and, and give up a 23 and a half percent target share to tight ends some tight ends playing the Colts, Dan Arnold in week 10, my guy. His usage is out of control, by the way. Listen, People need to accept that Dan Arnold is for real. He's getting he like is. eight targets a week. He is for real. It doesn't get better than this matchup for Dan Arnold. Uh, the Jags are heavy underdogs. They, I, I, I don't believe in anything that happened last week. I well, think so the Jags speak. are the best team in the NFL now. It's a terrible line that they're heavy underdogs. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, beat yeah. the Bills at science. Mm, yes yes uh, i people forget the, the media has forgotten already but yeah dan arnold great spot in week 10 against the colts and he gets them in week 18 which, which feels weird to say but so dan arnold should should be on uh, rostered in every 12 team league uh dawson knox maybe if he's back for week 11 he gets the colts and then zach Ertz uh would get the colts in week 16 so the, these are guys who uh, you know, if they if they're dropped in your league because of injury or whatever, you know, maybe pick them up. If you if you have a, a deep bench, you can stash these guys and wait for these excellent matchups. I mean, Arnold is a guy. So we joke about Dan Arnold being like one of our favorite ever like sicko plays, but he really is just like becoming a normal tight end one. And the, the volume has just been that good. The Jags seem to lack other ideas like Marvin Jones. They can't get going. LaVisca Chenault, they can't get going. I mean, Jamal Agnew, shockingly, uh, was an apparition, yeah. did nothing uh, in week nine. And the only guy who like is getting like truly consistent looks has been Dan Arnold. So as much as we joke about him, I really do think Dan Arnold has become a tight end one. And it's good to know 
He's got such a good matchup for week 10. You want me to shift to the next position, Denny? Yeah. Yes, um, let's do that. We're going to shift to quarterback where you inform me that the Dolphins and Eagles are two low-key, in your <laughs> words, great quarterback matchups. Yeah, yeah. We, we say we say low-key uh, when we try to uh, appeal to the Zoomers. <laughs> I don't know really know what it means, but I'm just going to keep <laughs> keep saying that when I can. Um, the, so we'll start with the Dolphins. The Dolphins have allowed the most passing yards in the entire NFL they have the ninth most extreme pass funnel defense in the league. So teams are really attacking them uh, through the air. Now, this is contingent on the number two pick in the 2021 NFL draft not playing. But <laughs> the, the Jets get the Dolphins in week 11 and week 15. So if Mike White, who I believe is should play this week if Zach Wilson is not ready because there will be mike White. i don't think it's gonna be josh johnson i think it will be mike right. white we don't know zach wilson's status yet so yeah i follow follow my logic here if mike white can start if he can once again prove himself like he did in the first drive against the colts and then two weeks ago against the Bengals, i think he has a decent shot at starting week 11 at uh, or against the dolphins it's a great matchup also the saints we just talked about the saints quarterback situation the Saints get the Dolphins in week 16. If by that time Taysom Hill has seized the starting job, uh, he will have an incredible week 16 matchup. Again, fantasy playoffs uh, and it could be Taysom season. So real quick. So Zach Wilson, they've said, is probably going to practice this week. It doesn't seem terribly likely to start this week. But unfortunately, Zach Wilson seeming like a fairly good bet to actually play in week 11 against the dolphins would you dare stream zach wilson against the dolphins no no i wouldn't (laughs) i it sounds funny you know it'd be like oh mike white yes zach wilson no (laughs) but i we haven't seen anything from zach wilson except for like a fluky second half performance against tennessee four or five weeks ago that's the that's the only good that we've seen from zach wilson so no i i I wouldn't unless you're desperate in like super flex league or something I don't think I would. You mind if we go to the next team here? No, no, we're going to stay with this team real quick because you really buried the lead okay. about the Dolphins and that they're playing P.J. Walker in week 12. Of the yeah, I, I intentionally didn't mention that. <laughs> so, they buried the uh, lead. But you're right. You're right. They do play the Panthers. Technically, they do play the Panthers. So, uh, Yeah, I guess I guess P.J. Walker would have some intrigue in that in that sort of matchup if he if he indeed starts. Okay, but you, you are released from the Dolphins. You can move on to okay. the second game. The Eagles, the Eagles. So the, the teams are bludgeoning the Eagles on the ground, but uh, the Eagles are allowing a 75 and a half percent completion rate this season, which is the highest in the league by a good margin. They have allowed recently that they've been more generous to quarterbacks. They've allowed at least 23 fantasy points to five of the past eight quarterbacks they've faced. And here's the, here's the actionable piece here. Okay. Cause I know everybody's waiting for actionable advice. Daniel Jones plays Philadelphia in both week 12 and week 16. I, I know that, that he, that Daniel Jones is an uninspiring option after what we saw last week, but you know, matchup wise, it doesn't get a whole lot better for him in week 12 and week 16. Well, Andy's playing the dolphins in week 13. Yes. So what you're saying is you need to add, you need to pony up for Daniel Jones on fab this week and get Daniel Jones on your bench. I think that's what you're saying. I'm not, not saying that I would say. And you want to know a truly insane Eagle stat that NFL researcher Scott Kaxmar turned up is that the Eagles have had five games so far this season where the opposing quarterback has completed more than 80% of his passes. There had never been in NFL history, a team allow more than three quarterbacks to complete 80% of their passes in in a season. And the Eagles have already shattered that by two games. So I said, Nick Sirianni, he's all in or all out, and he is all out on defending the pass right now. Like, that's like a truly, like, legitimately astonishing. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Actually, I heard Brandon Staley talk about Justin Herbert completing over 80% of his passes. He goes, in a pro game, that's impressive. (laughs) Like, basically being like, in a flag football game, you know, you'd expect that. But in a pro game, I I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know what – the Eagles got going. They got, you know, they have Darius Slay too, who's playing well, and they're still somehow allowing quarterbacks to essentially throw perfect games. Yes. It's kind of strange. The main takeaway should be that the Eagles defense is terrible. Okay. In it, marred by injury, even when they're fully healthy, then they're, they're not they're not good. They're be, they're below average. 
in both defending the run and defending the pass. So, you know, if you can get your players, especially for streaming purposes, for like kind of patching together a lineup, if you're dealing with injuries or bye weeks or whatever in the coming weeks, if you can get that matchup against Philadelphia, I think that that, that can serve really as, as a kind of tiebreaker in your, in your decision-making. Absolutely. And, and Denny, great stuff. You've always got great stuff uh, like this. You've the king of the stream. <laughs> you got the target decoder every week on the site. You're even the king of the stream with the kickers. You, you do not discriminate against onesie positions. No. You're just yeah. always giving the folks That's right. the lowdown. Uh, you do it sometimes with JJ Zacharyson. I must, I would be remiss not to mention that. <laughs> yeah. um, so really great stuff. I mean, that's, that's it for the show. I mean, short fires 50 minutes denny um how, yeah. how are the people gonna uh not not have a 60 know. minute pot uh, they're gonna the they're gonna flip they're gonna absolutely flip <laughs> the zoomers have never heard of a podcast shorter than 60 minutes so it was and but you know the zoomers are listening to this at double speed that's true so i can only imagine when i sound like a 2.5 i kind of talk fast in general at 2.5 i probably thought like, you know jay leno i'm just like hey denny the evil <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts, ryan griffin come on what are we doing here I uh, I took the had the great pleasure of listening to our Thursday podcast at half speed last week. <laughs> I've never done that. I, I just I, you by the way, I just discovered how to do this on Apple, and I did listen to half speed. We all sound very intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> so what, why are you listening at half speed just for for fun? Well, I think I was like, wait, what's this button? And I pushed it, and it was like, <laughs> and it sounded like. It sounded like it sounded like we were recording the podcast after a night of drinking. It was, it was very, very funny. The rumors don't understand about this. They've never heard of Blockbuster, Denny. That's what I just moved back into normal speed. Thanks. Zoomers have never heard of Blockbuster. We've never heard of a bad podcast. Uh, we'll be back with more good podcasts. Check out our Week 10 preview shows. Part one on Wednesday, part two on Thursday, featuring Mr. Denny Carter. For Denny, I am Patrick. Thank you for joining us today. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.